0: Welcome to Satisfied, where our aim is to behold the glory of God. I'm Nick Jackson, pastor of Timberland Baptist Church in Lacey, Washington.
1: And this is Bobby Gaither, pastor of Hope Fellowship in Hillsboro, Oregon. What are you doing over there, Bobby? I'm trying to get situated in this chair. It's What's wrong with uh, my chair? I don't know, man. It's a little squishy in Dude, certain Bobby's spots. Bobby's like all
0: moving around. Maybe I'm and... squishy.
1: Um, <laughs> <laughs> hey, speaking of, we're not in Hillsborough, Oregon. We are in Lacey. Did I... Did, did, did we mention that last time? I'm not sure yeah, we, we did. That. We did. Okay, so I'm still in Lacey. I won't let him leave. Washington. Yeah. I've uh, been here a whole week because we do these podcasts live. No, we don't. Um, just, just wanted to draw attention to the fact that I think we're even now. If you go back and count the number of times you drove down Are you serious? to Hillsborough and the number of times I've driven up. I've driven
0: like 19 times. You I mean, have not driven 19 times. You've driven times, like
1: two um, three. Four. You keep on count five. <laughs> I, I just want to make sure that you know. All right. All that right. It's I enough. invest in this relationship, too. I, I feel very invested. You in should. Very you should. invested. in Very. Yes. So, hey, why don't
0: you tell everyone the amazing topic we're going to talk about today? We are going to talk about
1: um, Calvinism. Uh, why Calvinism? Uh, so, Boom. Do you, do you, yes. I, I mean everyone's favorite topic. Uh especially if you like beards and beer and cigars. You might be a Calvinist. I don't I don't
0: I don't do cigars.
1: Oh, okay. Pipe?
0: No, no? you know, just pipe, cigar, all that, never had a desire.
1: Yeah. Sorry. That's all right. It's it's okay. Well so 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 you're like a four point Calvinist then? Because <laughs> oh. I think each point goes with some each vice. Each point goes
0: with a beard or, a, yeah, <laughs> probably something oh, man. Um, So we got some, there's a point to this Yeah um, We basically want to cause a fight and see what happens no. Oh wait, that's not no, what we want to do No,
1: that's not it, not it. No, We should probably talk seriously about that
0: Yeah, so Calvinism uh, can be extremely a divisive. Uh, the other view is Arminianism, and we'll, we'll get to that in a few moments. We'll, we'll go through kind of the history of, of how we got to those terms and and, and what those what those mean. But but wha- why we wanted to do this is we want to clear up misconceptions about Calvinism. Yeah. Um, there are some people who think Calvinists are angry. In fact, there's there's a really good book that just came out called "Humble Calvinism" by J. A. Metters. I think that's how you say his last name. I've only read a little bit of it. Uh, it's really good. It's really good. I'm, I'm really encouraged by it. He very humbly actually walks through much of Calvinism. is very scriptural just as he goes yeah. through it. Talks yeah. about just really the love of Scripture. Um, so we want to clear up misconceptions, help people properly understand what is Calvinism, and really we want people to see the goodness in it, the riches of it. Um, yeah. Why we believe this position, which we would say what we believe scripture communicates, why it's so important. Um, this isn't a fad, but we, we believe that this is the the scriptural, um, this is the view of scripture.
1: Yeah, I, I would agree. And, and I, we, you know, we talked about um, before the microphones were turned on, do we really use the term Calvinism, and, and, and we'll get to that later. Part of, part of what's good about that is, it. I mean, it, I hate to say it, but it helps identify, I think, part of the, the reason why we use the term totally. is it, it, I, we don't want to be people who have, um, who don't want to reveal our position you know, we don't want to be right. the, the guys that. Are, I mean, when you try to nail them down, find out what they really believe, they're like Jello against the wall. So that- Jello
0: against the wall. We should try that later.
1: You know, it might stick Dude, depending we on. Could, we could probably do a
0: video. Dude, that sounds like a youth group thing, doesn't it? Oh man, it totally sounds like youth group. But you know, you're right. We want we want people to know where we stand and why we stand. Not not just what we stand for and and just trying to be as arrogant about it. But we want people to know where we well, are because we love scripture. And we want people to know the, the view that we're taking and, and why we take that. Um, but in the same time, we, we want to promote unity. Yeah. We want there to be unity within the church. So as we talk about this, our goal is, I mean, I, I, I guess we, I would say, I'll say this for me, not you, Bobby, you you can say what what your goal is. I mean, I'm biased. I I would want everyone to be a Calvinist, but in that our goal is not to necessarily make everyone a Calvinist, but to maybe persuade, but help people to see um, uh, the view that we have. But then also on the flip side of that, say, look, and if you're not there yet, um, (laughs) but if you're not there yet, uh, that's okay. And, and if you're going to take the other position, we're going to spend really, we're not going to talk so much about the positions of Calvinism and Arminian, Arminianism today. We're going to do that over the next five weeks. And we want to accurately say what each position uh, communicates, why it does so, what that means. Um, but today we want to just set the stage and say, look, whatever side you're on, um, we have love for one another. This is not something that divides us, and like, uh, like they're secondary Christians
1: or something. Yeah, this uh, is an in-house conversation, definitely. And and, and there was probably a, a time period, younger in my my young Calvinism days. Um, I still think this is a big issue. I, I I do. I mean, I think it's a glory issue. Um, I think I think it means something. For how we shepherd and how we communicate the gospel, and how how we speak comfort to people, so so you know when, when we talk about how how we came to this understanding of scripture, um, you know that will be communicated. At least in my story, is what I realized is scripture speaks speaks to things that I have less and less control over, and God is still good and sovereign in the midst yeah. of it. Um, I hesitate, and, and again, we we talked about do we use the word Calvinist? Um, I, I, hesitate to even say I'm trying to get people to see a Calvinistic view. Uh, yes, I think the Calvinistic view represents what I've come to understand. And yet I don't want that to sound arrogant er- I don't want to be arrogant in that either. Right. You well, let's get I to mean? that.
0: Cause before we keep using the term, we're going to have to define it and help people yeah. know what we're talking about. Yeah. But there was a cool quote from, uh, in the book, humble Calvinism that, uh, that he quotes regarding George Whitfield. And basically, uh, George Whitfield, uh, which he says, a vibrant Calvinist, was asked if he thought he would see the founder of the Methodist and well known Arminian, John Wesley, in heaven. Whitfield answered and he said, No, I don't think we will. And then he says, "But George, uh, but but George Whitfield says he wouldn't see Wesley in heaven because Mister Wesley will be so near the throne, and I'll be so far in the back that I will yeah. not be able to see him." And so, what he does there, and while while Whitfield was a strong Calvinist, and and Wesley held very yeah. different views in that. He doesn't see that this is going to be a salvation issue. Rather, it yeah. is understanding God and grace, and, and there's a lot at stake. Um, yeah, but but we're brothers in Christ, and I and that's really what we want to hold as we go through here. Is that
1: we're brothers, uh, yeah. we're and, family, as and we they have were this conversation. They were friends. Yeah, Whitfield and, Whitfield and, Wesley. and Wesley were yeah. friends. I mean, they they both. I think it was Yale. Um, Yale or Harvard, Princeton, I thought Princeton. Okay, Princeton. See, it's one of those schools with ID... one of those that used to be Christian. Yeah, used to be Christian. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. Um, yeah, I mean, they were college, college, uh, uh, collegiate buddies together. Yeah, and I mean, they started they started a, a fellowship group. I mean, they were pursuant after God together. Now they they divided and they diverged in obviously their theology and. and um, but you see two men who who loved each other, who yeah. cared for each other, who held different positions scripturally, right? Yeah. On, on on what the scripture says. Um, but but there was love and care. And and I think that's part of what we're trying to say. We want to promote that. Yeah. You know, we're the, the point isn't to be divisive. Uh the point is we we want to come under the scriptures and as best we know how. Yeah. So let's let's give the history. Okay. So the Catholic Church, um, had begun
0: indulgences and really promoting, um, salvation by works. Um, they, it was not by grace alone. Uh, they had promoted the authority of the church, uh, to, to actually above that of scripture, they would say equal, but, but we all know when two things are equal, one takes precedence. Um, and, yeah, and the church had they taken would say tradition and
1: scripture and tradition, tradition.
0: Yeah. yeah. And so, So then Martin Luther comes in 1517 and nails the 95 thesis against the Wittenberg door. And he does that to start a conversation to to begin correcting the church, not to divide from the Roman Catholic Church, but to begin a conversation, which of course did not start a conversation, more started a war in many ways. And so uh, that began... And what he was emphasizing was, was really the grace of God, the sovereignty of God, and against indulgences. And then later, you have a guy, John Calvin, who, who comes along, and he preaches in Geneva, does a lot of teaching, and is known for just his powerful exposition of the word, for shepherding of the church. And and so these two become really the, the founding members of of kind of the reform movement at that time, although...
1: There was Zwingli and... There, there's, there's definitely a, there's other a guys yeah.
0: that were, were very key, but I think Luther and Calvin were the most instrumental. And <clears throat> now today, and Metters actually goes through this in like one of his beginning chapters, and he says, those who now follow uh, Luther are, are known as Lutherans because they had a little bit different view on communion, and those who follow... Calvin, uh, um, or more called the reform faith. Yeah. So that's kind of so when someone says they're Reformed, they're more following after Calvin. Yeah. When someone says they're Lutheran, they're they're following more after Luther in, in a sense. And so, uh, but then. What happened is a guy named Jacob Arminius uh, began to teach the Word, and after he died in in 1608, a year later in 1609, uh, some guys who had followed him, some guys who had, had done his teachings, brought forth... Uh, some positions uh to the church that they said hey we don't agree and it was things on they didn't agree about the t- church's teaching on God's sovereignty on free will on mm-hmm. unconditional election on predestination on the power of grace yeah. and so that started an entire conversation within the church that lasted about 8 years until the synod of dort which the synod of dort is basically a church meeting mm-hmm. that came through and i think it was after like some 150 meetings that took place yeah it was It was huge that these guys, after a year, they sit together and they actually, they reject all of the Jacob Arminius followers teachings. Um, every proposal that they brought up, they rejected. And what they did is they countered it, which came known to be as the five points of Calvinism. Um, and so that's where we get those five points. Now they didn't use the word acronym the term act the term tulip I'm sorry the term tulip didn't come until like 1930 or 40 or something um, but but that's where so, so that's what, where that came about so Calvinism is the response to Jacob Arminius's followers
1: yes well but but I would even back up and I would say it's not as if those those theological points weren't present or weren't there before. Our, our Jacob Arminius, or his followers, put forth their point. They countered you with... You mean Calvin's th- views? Yes. Yeah. They countered with a theological understanding that they already had. It, it wasn't yeah. a new creation of of a different theological viewpoint.
0: Well, no. It, Calvin, what he did is, he just went back to Scripture, and, and yeah. he just started preaching the Word. And so... But his writings were so instrumental and so helpful that the Synod of Dort and those who were there were using them and had grown in them. And they were instrumental in In countering and arguing for their position uh, against what Jacob Arminius' followers had. And so it became known as Calvinism, but you're right. That's the weird part. It's not like Calvin coined these things. Calvin just simply... Articulated them well. And so <clears throat> they became known as Calvinists, which probably John Calvin would he, I think cringe at this day grave. that yeah. his name is being used so yeah. much. And in fact, you know, when you look at his institutes, <clears throat> he spends more time on prayer, communion, and so many other things than he does on predestination, election, stuff like yeah. that. But yeah. and he was missional. People don't totally understand. Missional.
1: Calvin was missional, he planted churches like his his sermons were evangelical they they were calling for gospel response so that when we get into misconceptions we have to talk about the misconceptions of what a calvinist is and right. and and it's not just for people who would ascribe to an arminian view it's for calvinists too yeah. because there are calvinists who who take this view of scripture and 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 they play it out to the point where they don't believe they need to share the gospel and that's not a good biblicist. That's that's yeah. not that that's not consistent with what Calvin believed. It's not consistent what, with what uh his his uh you know the folks you know, who, who put together tulip it's, it's just not consistent with scripture at all. Yeah. So there's there's misconceptions there. Sorry I stopped you No you're go. good.
0: So what we wanted to do basically is I'll let you know there, there was a divide that happened within the church. Uh well so the Catholic the Catholic church had definitely uh, created a, um, a works-based salvation, yeah. which Luther and Calvin and yeah. others sought to correct. Didn't mean to actually divide from the church, but that's what happened. Um, they protested mm-hmm. what uh, the Catholic Church was doing, which is why... We're called... Baptists and Lutherans and all that. We're, were Protestants now. Viva have a
1: Reformation, baby.
0: That's right. And so, because we protested works-based salvation for a grace-based salvation, and... As more things came about, like Jacob Arminius's followers, then which is really just another form of Pelagianism yep. that goes way back to yeah. the second century, third century. I forget uh, second, second. Um, but that's a whole maybe other third, topic. Maybe third. But. Uh, but then it was Calvin's and Luther's and and other people's teachings were instrumental in correcting because they had gone back to scripture already. So when we use the term Calvin, we're not so much talking about Calvin. We're really talking what we believe is scripture. uh, and, And that's what we mean. And so we use the word Calvinism to simply refer to a set of positions set of beliefs that we believe are scriptural um not so much to say we hear to the man Calvin or that everything Calvin did was was perfect um but so enough of that
1: how about so bobby you know let's correct pelagianism pelagian was in the 4th century 4th century gosh swimmy slappy swammy. It's way off yeah we messed up on that one okay groups.
0: Yeah. So what we want to do on this episode yep. dun, 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 is we want to... <laughs> that's so weird. <laughs> we, we want to talk about a little bit about just how we came here. Yeah. So you might be here and you are a Calvinist, which is great. Uh, you might be here and you're not a Calvinist, which is great. But we want to tell you how we got to where we're at because, you know, when, when you become a Christian, you do not you don't understand all the doctrines at that moment. What you know is you're you're saved by grace. Yeah. And and then as you grow in the word of God, you begin to understand how how that took place. Yeah. What God was doing. Um how his grace came upon you. Yeah. What your state was prior. So so we want to just wrestle through or or communicate a little bit about what what Bobby what Bobby's road to Calvinism was and what mine yeah.
1: looked like. So go ahead. Yeah, and and it's a theological viewpoint. I mean, that's part of what we have to Make sure we're we're cl- we're clarifying we are Christians first. Yes, that's correct. Right, I right. Mean, this is this is this is the means by which, or should I say, the grid by which we view Scripture. So it's right. a, it is a systematic grid. Right. It, to
0: be, yeah,
1: go ahead. To, yeah. to, to be faithful to Scripture and be yes. consistent throughout all of Scripture. Okay. Um. So Sorry, so I was
0: wanting to pick on something. Yeah. That was probably just going to be like divisive.
1: Are you going to pick so. on it later?
0: No, I'm trying not to.
1: Okay. All right. So, All right, so give
0: us give us the road to Calvinism for
1: Bobby. For Gary. me, yeah. Well, for me, I grew up in a very, um, I had a very works based understanding of the gospel, and so I, I I grew up going to church, and and I believe from a from a young age that I was saved. Um, I had a desire to love and to serve God. Uh, and and yet I had this flesh that was present that um, would that would lead me into sin, uh, and and I realized and this is this is my my conversion story too. I mean, honestly, I realized that I could not keep myself sinless. Yeah, you know, I I realized that the call of Scripture was to be holy as I am holy. Um, uh, to that we're to reject sin. Um, and, and my understanding was a very Catholic understanding um, of, of the gospel. It was, if you die with sin on your heart, you're going to hell. Uh, so you, I mean, just play that scenario out. And there was no secure footing. Yeah. And play that scenario out for a high school boy who, who reads and who read in Matthew that, I tell you the truth, Jesus says, if you even look at a woman with lust in your heart, you're committing adultery. <laughs> and guilty and guilty, I was a yeah. guilty teenager yeah. you know and 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 self- aware enough to know a that that's wrong um and and b that i I trespass every day multiple times a day yeah. as, a, as, a, as a teenage kid um, and so it it just exemplified for me the truth of the matter, which is that i I can't I don't have the power within myself to To keep myself sinless, I must not be saved, because th- th- it's such a, a pendulum back and forth. And back you struggle a lot with that, like assurance of salvation. Absolutely, I did. I mean, I I was uh, fearful every day that, and so my viewpoint of who God was hmm. uh, was, was that was the over over um, was the angry Father. It was the angry Father. Like God is angry, God is he's angry at to me, and threw lightning bolts at you yes and and not even so much lightning bolts, but man i'm uh, if I die with sin on my heart, I'm going to hell and and so i I came to a place in in mid late high school, and there were several factors that were part of this uh where i just I felt isolated um I felt alone uh I didn't have uh this assurance because I, I, I was genuine enough in on, in on myself to realize that I'm I'm a dirty rotten sinner. Like I yeah. I I, I and, and so my response was well fine God. Uh I I must not be saved, which means yeah. I'm I'm either not good enough for you or I'm just I'm not I'm not good enough to keep myself sinless. So forget it. I'm just gonna go pursue my own flesh and I did. Um what's amazing about that is and you, you look back now and I just see God's grace all over. I see him protecting me, preserving me in ways that that I I sought after sin and he shut doors. Yeah. Like I mean it's it there's no other explanation other than God shut doors in my face that would have that would have had great consequence for me. Hmm. Uh and and I didn't see it then. I didn't see it then, but all all I saw was um, and i and I preached the gospel of free will i mean just in in all of this i mean i growing up in high school, I became kind of a leader in 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 the in the spiritual area of the church or of 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 the school we had yeah. a we had a fellowship group you know uh uh and and probably for my sophomore and junior year that that was who i was um uh pursuing righteousness. You know, as best I could, but it, but not, not with the understanding of grace, not with the understanding of God's work and God's sovereignty in me, yeah. but with the understanding that if I don't do this, I'm going to be in trouble. Um, and still having that, that sense of God's holiness as well, knowing He's holy and He's worthy of it. If He's worthy of it, why can't I do it? Yeah. Like, why? Uh, what's wrong with me? Um uh and I began to understand grace. I, I um to see grace differently. And the, the, the first doctrine or the first thing that really had to change in my heart and my mind was that that my salvation is secure. Hmm. Because it didn't it just didn't make sense if God is who he says he is, for his character to go back and forth. Yeah from loving me and accepting me to being completely angry at me and ready to condemn me. Um, and, and I remember, I remember being in my buddy's house and his mom, you know, we were having the conversation about free will and, and about God's sovereignty and, and about my salvation. And she took me to John chapter 10 and we said earlier, I mean, John is just rife with sovereignty issues in salvation. And and Jesus says things that I think would blow people away if they really understood what he's saying. I I see no other way around it. Yeah. But the first passage that she, she gave me, which was really, man, it was just a comforting passage. Yeah. It just, it, 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 it was the the first crack in my paradigm that that, that eventually shattered. Um, I'm just just going to read it. Um, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish. And get this. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Yeah. No one. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. So here I am, believing this gospel, that at any moment, like I could fall from grace. Any moment, I could be snatched out of the Father's hand. At any moment, I could lose my salvation. And then here I see Jesus say, no one can snatch them out of my hand. I keep them. Yeah. They're mine. That's just... That gave me an assurance that I hadn't had. That that changed my understanding, but I still didn't understand how it worked. Right, but that was kind of the the first domino that yeah, fell, and like, then... it's it's like you grew up in Michigan, right? No, you went California. to California. California, never mind. So not grew up, but you lived in Michigan. I lived in Michigan for ten did, years. Did you ever see the ice on the Great Lakes? Oh yes. So so that's like the first crack. That's like the first crack of crackle of ice. Yeah. Atop the lake. And there's a lot more, there's a lot more to go, but that was the first one where, huh.
0: And, and it's, it's, it's good to know, like when you begin to study these, they're interrelated. Yeah. Like as we go through these points of, of Calvinism over the next few weeks, they are, they're tied to one another, which means if you hold one, you kind of have to hold them all. If you reject one, you kind of reject them all. Uh and so when when you do get that first crack, but,
1: but there's a there's a process.
0: Totally. So, but when you get that first crack, yeah, like it it starts to permeate, and yeah. and eventually it causes you to wrestle more and more and more. Which I think then it's kind of like receiving a, a new glasses. Like you now have a lens in which you begin to see that maybe you didn't even realize there was a lens like that, yeah. and
1: it's you're beginning to see what we would say scripture as it as it is. Well, and yeah. So, so that was the first crack in this in this paradigm that 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 made me an an unstable Christian, at least unstable according to my understanding of the gospel. And And so through a whole wrench in it, and it it just began to deteriorate. And so I had to come to the place where, okay, I believe my salvation is secure. But I still had this idea of sanctification. Why, why am I not sanctified? Why am I not, even though I'm pursuing the word and I'm pursuing righteousness, why do I still see these this sin in my life? Uh, and so fast forward a few years, um, I show up to Simpson College, um, now Simpson University uh, in Redding, California. And, uh, it's not long. Uh, I'm, I'm there probably a few months and I meet one of my dear friends now. His name is Troy and another dear friend, Kenta. And, um, you know, we just begin talking about life and, and, and sharing, you know, I just, I, I, was confessing just some of my problems, my, my sin to him, but also my struggle yeah. to understand if I'm really saved. And I remember the night, I mean, we, we circled the campus had to be for like an hour and a half because I'm still struggling over how am I saved? Why am I saved? Yeah, uh, Am I saved? Am I really saved? Because I don't really believe it. Right. I, I see what he says, but I don't really believe it C- because my sin is so prevalent and it keeps attacking me is what it feels like. And mm. And he just began opening the doctrines of grace to me. By the way, the doctrines of grace, you know, that's one of the ways we refer to the acrostic tulip. Which we'll talk about later. But he just began, man, you know that we're all totally depraved. Do you know that in and of ourselves, like there's nothing good? Do you know that salvation is not about your goodness, but wholly about God's goodness to you, not because of anything you've done, but because of who He is? And so the onus of salvation started shifting away from me, away from what. What I thought I needed to do, in order to be worthy of being saved, and it shifted towards God's goodness, yeah, God's grace, God's mercy. I mean, shining like the sun on me, regardless of whether or not I turned my face towards it. And it, and 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 that was that's the next crack, in 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 that big iceberg, for me, yeah. uh, of of just. Misunderstanding and 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 really, it's not again. It's not that I I wasn't saved. To I would say I'm with... saved, but I'm wrestling with how and why and and how to how to be sanctified in the midst of it and um. And, and here's the thing. I, mean, I it caused me, my my previous understanding of scripture caused me to doubt the goodness of God. It caused me to to doubt my own salvation. Uh, it 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 did have it did play out it it is practical I would say uh, your understanding of view of scripture is practical it plays out in how you walk through life um so that was then kind of the next cr- crack is I mean again he's talking about grace or total depravity he talked about irresistible grace and why are you here well I'm here because I believe God called me here and and, and why are you here because I I had to do it I, I knew this is where God called me. And we're, I'm talking specifically about Simpson. He um, said, so why do you love God? Well, because I do. Because he's God. Well, yeah, but yeah. why? And he, the more you drill down, the more you realize, there's, I, I don't really have a choice in the matter. I love him because I love him because I love him. Because he's beautiful now. Because he's beautiful. Like there's there's something that's that's changed in my heart. Yeah. Um, and he was beautiful before, but but before is because he not be not so much because because I knew he was worthy of love, but I didn't see why and how. I just knew he was more powerful. I I you didn't knew, see the goodness I, I and didn't. the riches of his grace. I and glory. I, yeah glory. I, I was fearful of judgment, and I didn't see the full measure of his grace. and I, and I think that would be. You know,
0: one thing I think the position of, of Calvinism does, while it, it holds forth God's sovereignty um, very strongly, it holds just with that God's grace yeah. and the power and the beauty and the richness of his grace in a way that I would say is, is accurate with scripture, but really then helps us to see the glory of our God. And it does, yeah. you're right. It yeah. changes how we see things it affects everything. How we how we see scripture, how we view the Christian
1: life, how we view our, our assurance, like all of that. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think you know, without getting too much, you know, we're going to go through the acrostic another time. Um. The other the other big piece that 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 just demolished. Um, I didn't demolish it. It it sent that big iceberg into into. Ice cubes, almost. Um, was the idea that God is sovereign over everything? Yeah, you know, I, and and I, I, I had to let myself be confronted. I, I didn't want to be. I don't want my philosophy or my approach to be changed by man-centered by by my man's thought. I wanted it to be shaped by Scripture, and and so in this conversation with my buddy Troy and Kenta. Um, Scriptures like um, Proverbs 21, the king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he will. So there was this idea that God is a gentleman and he's not going to act upon man's will. right? That he's not going to invade the space of, uh, of man's will. And to which that's exactly what I'm praying for. God, invade my space. Yeah, change my heart do something different change my will because because my fleshly will wants to do this I I need you to change my will and and I look back and I see times when he has and I'm so thankful for it um Oh, I mean, that's the testimony that Paul gives,
0: right? Like in Galatians chapter one, Paul will talk about how he's a Pharisee of Pharisees and how he is um, growing in Judaism far above anyone else, and he's persecuting the church. And then he says, but... When God's grace came upon me. Yeah. And he talks about how he just got turned inside out. Yeah. And and the way Paul talks, you see he's determined to live against Jesus. He's determined to persecute the church. He's determined to hate Jesus. And yet then all of a sudden, by the grace of God coming upon him, illuminating uh, Paul, shining his grace upon him awakens him spiritually that yeah. now he would see Jesus as beautiful what he once rejected now is glorious and amazing and that that's what we see is all about calvinism is about this grace yeah. of god that we now see wait a minute I, the reason i choose god is because he has chosen me yes. the reason yeah. i love god is because he has awoken me to see him no totally man i'm
1: i'm with you there yeah well and and it just in continuing um, along the lines of scripture, I just began seeing things. Like you can't change the meaning of predestination. You can't change it. It means predetermined. Yeah. You can't change the meaning of election. It means. But yet, it they do. Yet pe- people do, and yet I did, right? Or I read over. It. I mean, I remember reading through Romans and just feeling like a having a numb mind. Well, I think the the hard part
0: is. Is wrestling with our experience yes. versus the truth of God's word, yes. because from our experience it looks like we choose so, God, and in fact, in in Acts, Paul yeah. will say, "Believe in Jesus, yes, choose Jesus." Totally. In essence, yeah. but and from our experience, we we think therefore that we're in control, yeah. or that in in one sense we would say, "Yes, we do choose Jesus." Yes, but only because of what He has done first. In us in by us. His grace, awakening yeah. us yeah. to
1: Him, um, and and I think coming to an understanding of that, and that's hard. It, it and is. that takes time. It does, and and so part of part of what we're sharing now is that time is that experience. Like I mean, because the truth of the matter is, there is no human being that doesn't view all of life through the lens of their own experience. Yeah, it and, doesn't matter how objective you think you are. And trying
0: to and subjecting our experience to the truth of God's word is the constant battle.
1: Yes. Yes. And, and we will always do that. And and I'm so th- I mean, and I again I'm, I'm I don't want to cast aspersions on anyone who 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 feels or thinks or, or interprets their experiences differently, but I'm so thankful. Yeah. That my experience now lines up with what I see as as a God sovereign calvinistic view. Where, man, it's 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 not. I don't think God's being a gentleman by abstaining. I think He's being glorious by interjecting His will into my life. Yeah, that's a good way to look at it. I I don't. I don't want anything different. If we can only be saved by His grace, then we want Him to. I want Him to. Think of how we pray. How do you pray for others, Lord? Lord, put people in their path. Lord, change, change their heart, change yeah. their mind. Like Armenians pray like a Calvinist. They do. Yeah. And and I think they ought to. We ought to. Um, and so, it just well, you want me to? Yeah.
0: Let me let me give my road because because we could go on. It's and and different on and on. Yeah. than yours. Let's hear. it. So I grew up in church and never heard terms like Calvin. Luther, uh, predestination election, like while they're in the Bible, I never, I never heard them really preached. I didn't know really much about them. And so I, I ended up I get saved around seven or eight and and I'm growing in my faith and and I know that I'm growing. I I get to college, I'm going pre-med and I'm looking at going to med school and then God just begins really changing my heart. It's like, no, you're going to go into ministry. And so uh, I start volunteering in one of my friend's churches which uh, I just found, man, I love serving in the church, which then led me to eventually going up to Michigan. And so I've never gone to seminary. And even though I went to a Christian school for college, uh, we didn't ever talk about the doctrines of grace. And, and so we're, we're in, I'm in Michigan, I'm married. And uh, there's other, I'm a youth pastor at that moment. And there's other youth pastor guys and, and people that I'm talking to, and they constantly are using like the word reformed the word Luther, the word Calvinism, and probably a whole bunch of other terms, I feel like, like I'm that third wheel. I have no idea what's going on. And I actually, I remember uh, John Piper had begun be, began to be instrumental uh, just in my my growing of scripture. I, by just God's sovereignty, came across one of his books, uh, Don't Waste Your Life, and through that began to read more and more. Uh, but I was wrestling with, okay, what is this Calvinism? What is, what is all this that's taking place? Um, And I I wasn't able to put terms to it, but I went to a Desiring God conference in Minneapolis. And I remember going up, they have this big library there. And I go up to this guy who's working, not a library, bookstore. And I go up to the guy and I just say, Hey, so is there a book that could help me understand a lot of the terms guys use in Christianity? I mean, I remember asking that and he just kind of looks at me like, like, what do you mean? And and so I tell him like, well, I have all these friends and they're using these words and, and I just didn't know, which is, which is one reason it's really good to go to seminary before you go into ministry or at least like in conjunction. But I didn't know. I mean, that just wasn't the path that I was on. And so after, many blank stares from this individual, I realized that nobody knew what I was talking about. And, <laughs> and so, so I, I left and and eventually then I, I'm going to seminary, which was in a very Armenian seminary. And I grew up hearing, you know, the once saved, always saved, which that term's not actually helpful. Just... Because you don't know why. You don't know really yeah. what it means. And yeah. so when we get into the perseverance of the saints, yeah. I, I love that conversation. Yeah. But we're sitting there, and it's an Arminian school, and they're very much just against predestination, against election, well, uh, the way the Calvinists would argue them and communicate them, and, and, and very much, very much strongly communicating free will and the fact that you can lose your salvation and i just remember going i have no idea what i believe at this moment and i felt like like things i thought i knew were being undone but i didn't know why because i didn't have the scriptural backing to say well no we are saved because now they're giving me these scriptures like in hebrews and other places that talk about you know uh,
1: shipwreck in hebrews 6 and
0: yeah and i'm sitting there going and do, do we lose our salvation? What's happening here? Um, do we have this free will? Like, what is that? And and what is election? And and where is God's grace and his sovereignty and, and my place in all this? And I, I realized in seminary, I did not know what I believed, which is a wonderful place and a completely scary place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I just started going to scripture and started looking more and more. And I would say the writings of John Piper are extremely helpful and instrumental because if you read anything, John Piper, yes, he's a Calvinist, but but first and foremost, he just upholds scripture. The yeah. man loves the word, yeah. eats and breathes the word of God. And so you just read, like he, as he writes, he just continues, just puts forth the word of God and puts forth the word of God. And he tells you why he believes what he does by using the word of God. And so I just began to wrestle more and more and more. And, and God's grace became beautiful to me. Yeah. And God's sovereignty became amazing. And so the more I wrestled, the more I realized, man, our God is in control of everything. Mm-hmm. Our God is sovereign. Our God has grace, and it's by His grace I am saved. And it was going to passages a lot like Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2, 1 through 10 is, I think, one of the best succinct passages of the mm-hmm. entire gospel, where he talks about in verses 1, 2, and 3, we were dead in our trespasses and yeah. sins. Um, and it just clearly communicates, apart from God's grace, we're dead. And then when you get into verse 5, it says, but God saves us by his grace. Yeah. So we're dead, but then we're made alive. How? By his grace. In fact, I just preached this last week on Titus 3. Titus 3 talks about we're not saved by anything according to our righteousness, according to any works that we do. We're saved because God, by his mercy, saves us through the washing and regeneration of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit renews us as we hear the Word of God. The Holy Spirit awakens us that we would believe the Word of God, that the Word of God would be beautiful to us, and that we would see God saves through Jesus, which means— the reason I believe in God is because His Spirit has awoken me to His truth, through His word, by the power of Spirit, all on the basis of what Jesus has done. And now I I, I see no other way and and I love my Armenian friends and we can talk and discuss, but I, I cannot agree with that position, which, which we will go through. And what I want to do as we go through in the next few weeks is I want to try to communicate exactly what their Arminian position is on election and predestination and free will and, and grace, yeah. exactly as they would say it. And then I want to also say exactly how the Calvinists would say, it. and then just hold it out. What does scripture say? Why are we here? Yeah. Um, because while we are friends... And while we do have unity, and and we must must make sure we 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 agree, we know that it does greatly affect the way we see things in Scripture. Uh, it
1: affects the way I, I counsel.
0: Oh, completely. And it affects the way we read those passages in yeah. Hebrew six, and the way we have assurance, mm-hmm. and the way we would interpret uh, various things that God has done.
1: Yeah i I think of Charles Spurgeon um, uh, he he said this on how how he came to be a christian he he was examining how was it he came to uh, to the faith He's, he and I'll just read this real quick uh, one night when I was sitting in the house of God, I was not thinking much about the preacher's sermon for I did not believe it.
0: That's always comforting for us pastors. Isn't that great?
1: (laughs) uh, The thought struck me. How did you come to be a Christian? I sought the Lord. But how did you come to seek the Lord? The truth flashed across my mind in a moment. I should not have sought him unless there had been some previous influence in my mind to make me seek him. I prayed, I thought I. But then I asked myself, how did I come to pray? I was induced to pray by the reading of scriptures. How came I to read the scriptures? I did read them, but what led me to do so? Then in a moment, I saw that God was at the bottom of it all and that he was the author of my faith. And so the whole doctrine of grace opened up to me. And from that doctrine, I have not departed to this day. And I desire to make this my constant confession. I ascribe my change wholly to God. Yeah. So That's how? good. That's how? good. Yeah.
0: And, you know, I think when we do get... To the root, and I, I think this is. I, I think Arminians agree whether they know or not. When we get to the root, we, we all base everything upon the grace of God, yeah. Um, like when as you're reading that, that, that passage just makes me think of Romans 3, where Paul says, None is righteous, None. no, not one, no yeah. one understands, no one seeks for God, all have turned aside, together they become worthless, no one does good, not even one. And then at the bottom of the passage in, in Romans three eighteen 18 says, there is no fear of God before their eyes, meaning they do not love, honor, respect, revere yeah. God at all. Yeah. So what happens? How do we go from hating God, detesting God, rejecting God to now we love God? There was a transformation that took place, yeah. which we would say is the new birth, the washing and yep. regeneration of the Holy Spirit through the word on the basis of what Christ has done for us all by grace. That we would be made new. It's what the new covenant is: receiving a new heart. And this new heart yearns for God. Yeah. It longs for Him. And and if you try to like pinpoint, so where does where does our belief come in? Like, where yeah. is the point where I say
1: I believe? I believe.
0: Like there is a, a bit of mystery in that because yeah. Upon being regenerated, we believe, but our belief does not pr- does not pr- precede, precede the regeneration. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah. not, it's not, no one is righteous, no, not one, no one understands, no one seeks for God, but ah, oh, but now I do, and now the, I'm made true. No, no, it's none is righteous, no, not one, no one understands, no one seeks for God,
1: but God's grace yeah. invades my life, yeah. awakens me, and now I go, yes, well, and that's there just, is God. That's Ephesians 2, and we call that the glorious but...
0: Yes, oh man, there are big butts in the Bible. <laughs> there are big butts in the dude, Bible. There is this book I have, and it talks about the glorious big butts of the Bible. <laughs> and there is Ephesians, what is it four, two, four, five, two? two I think it's three, isn't it? Two, maybe there's four. But huge God, huge butt right there. But God, but God, and man, Rich. going through the the but gods in yes. scripture, yeah, dude, that that's humbling.
1: We are this, but, but God. God, and and here's here's what we're you know we should probably wrap it up and talk about. Um, if it 's instrumental, if it 's good for us to use the term Calvinism, because we were going to talk about that as well, um, but that passage right there, if you just just parsing it, everything before we were dead in our trespasses and sin um, was us, yeah is ascribed to us. Everything before is ascribed to us. The being made alive is ascribed to God yeah. But God, rich in mercy, because of his great love for us, he made us alive. That's good. Like, like he is the acting agent of us becoming alive. You, we can't ascribe it to, to anyone else. else. We can't. And So... Oh, go ahead. Well, going back to, like, in my personal understanding of how I came to not just accept, but love Calvinism, or love love the doctrines of grace, which I believe Calvinism accurately reflects, was the understanding that salvation belongs to the Lord. He is the author, the finisher, the perfecter of our faith. That means something different to me now. And then the security of my identity, because it was, it wasn't just my. My faith that was waffled, or, or my understanding of whether I was saved or not. It's my whole identity. I mean, I'm placing all my eggs in this basket, right? Am, am I a Christian? Am I not? Am I a Christian? Am I not? My identity has been formed by God. Yeah. I was made alive. I was made alive. Now, I still later had to figure out what that meant for sanctification. That's a whole, I mean, we had that conversation yeah. with Todd Miles. But the fact that my salvation was done. By God, my heart change was done by God. What God has done, I cannot undo. I can't. It's good. And I'm so thankful for it. So,
0: is it good to use the word Calvinism? Um, let, me, let me just answer this one kind of quickly. And then we'll, we'll wrap up because I don't want to give away too much as we keep going. I'm going to say yes and no. If you're a pastor and you're on the pulpit, be careful. Yeah. Because you have a lot of people that have no idea what you mean by Calvinism, and they're going to Google it.
1: And Google, you the don't internet, know what you're going to get. The internet is not kind to anybody.
0: You're, you, if you're an Armenian, you're a heretic. If you're a Calvinist, you're a heretic on Google. I mean, it doesn't matter. Like, yeah. when you try to look up terms on Google, like, without proper categories and understanding the real position, anything is possible. Yeah. But one-on-one when you can unpack, I think it's okay because the terms, because people are going to hear these terms. And so educating people is a good thing and letting people know what these terms mean, I think is helpful and letting them know it's not that we're Calvin fans in the sense of everything he does is perfect. Or we believe, like you said earlier, it's not that Calvin invented these, these positions, but, but Calvin did a good job expositing them from scripture and so we, we hold truth to that. And they've now become known as Calvinism. So rather than just try to come up with a new term, I think it's okay to use it. it people understand it. But I think before we want to jump to the word Calvin, let's use what the Bible talks about yeah. and just talk about God's grace yeah. and just let people hear about the riches of God's sovereignty and his grace. Yeah. And I think we just do that. And yes, don't shy away from the term Calvinism because people are going to walk away and they're going to hear that term. And if they didn't hear that properly understood, it's probably going to be distorted on the internet or through other people potentially. And then that's going to throw a wrench. So if we can help properly communicate, properly define, but really rather than just stick to the terms, bring them to scripture as much as we can.
1: So so here's what we didn't cover. Maybe we do this another time, or maybe we tack it on now. There's a lot of misconceptions about Calvinism and what that means for how we live and we operate. Like, And, and I'll just throw them out there. I mean, we're pressing, what, 50 minutes? Yeah. So we probably shouldn't keep talking much more. But one of the misconceptions is Calvinists aren't missional. Calvinists yeah. don't share the gospel. Calvinists are fatalists. Um. Calvinists um, are unkind and uncaring, um, uh, which I think. Oh, go ahead, sorry. Well, I, I, those are wrong,
0: totally. And I, yeah, I okay. think as we answer though, we're, we're going to walk right into them. We we, <laughs> we are like, like, why are we not fatalists? Why mm-hmm. do we not go to this thing called hyper Calvinism? That yeah. hey, we don't even need to be missional because if God wants people saved, He'll just do it apart from us. That's not even biblical. Yeah. Well,
1: so, so so part of part of what I would say and, and we'll get into this more, the reason why those misconceptions what, are who
0: didn't turn off their phone?
1: That would be you. Oh yeah. That's that would me. be you, my friend. Uh uh th- the reason why people come to those conclusions is they are putting on they are putting on a um what's the word I'm looking for? My coffee just ran out. Um they're putting onto the ideological framework of Calvinism or the doctrines of grace the idea that that, that, is, that is all, or they're carrying it to it to its extreme and saying that these are the implications when they're not. So they're carrying out those doctrines and saying these are the implications when those aren't biblical implications.
0: Well, and, and it, it's what happens when... Okay. So I, man, who was it? I can't remember at the moment who said this. I think it was Sam storms. Maybe, maybe, but he said, if you're going to properly, you are not prepared to argue someone else's position until you can articulate it as they would articulate their position. The problem with all those misconceptions is that they are characterizations, they're wrong characterizations of mm-hmm. Calvinism, just as we can give wrong characterizations of Arminianism. Arminianism yeah. We could say Arminians believe in loss of salvation as if they believe you can just lose your salvation in a moment. They don't believe that. Uh, they love God and and they don't believe that their salvation is falling from them <clears throat> at any moment. Uh, so we can wrongly characterize each position and only by properly studying and understanding them are we actually positioned to communicate uh, any truth regarding them at all. And when you jump on the internet and when you hear a lot of these misconceptions, what happens is that they're by people who don't actually understand Calvinism yeah. um, and or really understand God's sovereignty or God's grace because there's no Calvinist that's true Calvinist. I mean, I think there's distortions of all sides. Yeah. But there's no one who, who understands the doctrines of grace and says, man, pff, I don't need to go share the gospel. Yeah. It's, it's actually, what, what is it? Um, I forget. It, it wasn't Judson, but it was another guy. He said, man, if it was not for predestination election, I would have no, no, confidence. no confidence in missions. Yep. Uh, was it Patton? No, it wasn't Patton. I can't remember. But it was one of the about. frontier missionaries. Yep. I'm blanking on him. And he I, comes back after he's been overseas. I want to
1: say it was Judson. I think you were right.
0: I'm probably right. (laughs) No, I have no idea. But so yeah, so let's tackle those as we go and let's unpack those. And I guess a word of caution to anyone that's hearing. Know the position of Calvinism and Arminianism. Not for the sake of arguing, but yeah. for the sake of do you know what you believe?
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. Because ultimately, and I'm holding up the Bible right now, ultimately we are under Scripture. I'm glad like, you prefaced like, that. Thank Look, you. I can hold my Bible too. Thank you. Mine's bigger. Yours is bigger. Yeah. It, it thumps a little better too. Um, uh, yeah. The the idea is not that I want to be consistent with Calvinism. The idea is that I want to be consistent with Scripture.
0: Which which actually Jay matters. In his book, yeah. he kind of says something about like the reformed faith. And he goes, should we really call it reformed faith or just faith? Because what we believe is it, it's, it's the view of scripture. Yeah. And so while, while we can say, well, we don't need to use the word Calvinism. We can just say biblical. Um, but but the, th- that's a tough one to work with. Well, and the danger,
1: so, and, and again, because we talked about this before, the danger with that is now we're saying that anyone who doesn't believe is or unbiblical. Agree is unbiblical. Right.
0: And, and thus heretical and thus heretical. Which, which could easily be jumped to, which we yep. don't want to yep. because yep. we don't mean that. yeah, so it it is hard. Yeah this is gonna be fun, yeah, as we go through and and talk about these points. Uh, I encourage you, uh, we will we'll start throwing out books. Um, for each of these, uh, each of these podcasts on on different positions, uh, we'll we'll try to throw out our favorite list on top two or three books each. That is very helpful for yep. better understanding Calvinism and Arminianism. Yep. Um, do you want to pray up? So? I'd love to. Sweet.
1: Lord Jesus, um, at at the root of this, our heart, our aim is to know you is to understand your ways. Lord, your ways are above our ways. There's a sense in which we, we can't completely fathom how you operate or what you do because you are God. You are infinite and we are finite. And yet you've given us your word. And so you've given us ideas, terms. You've clarified your gospel. Uh, to the extent that you see fit. So, Lord, our desire is that we understand uh, and we grow in the wisdom and the knowledge of you. That's why we study. That's, that's why we dig our, our, our nose into Scripture, because we want to know you. And because uh, this is eternal life, knowing you, knowing God the Father and the Christ whom you sent. And so as, as we study, Lord, um, even these doctrines, Lord, the aim is not that we know doctrine. The aim is that we understand your character, that we see the beauty, the glory of all of who you are, that we behold you, and that we are satisfied. We praise you, Lord. Um, take what we've said. Uh, use what we've said. Use Scripture, Lord, by your Spirit. We just pray that you work in the hearts of the people who are listening. That's our prayer. That's why we do this. We ask these things in your name. Amen.
0: You have been listening to Satisfied in Christ. Uh, if you'd like to check out our website, it is www.satisfiedinchrist.life. That's l L I F E, according to Bobby. I'm so proud of you. And if you'd like to leave comments, leave questions, we'd love, we'd love to hear your comments as we go through this whole um, series yeah, on, on Calvinism. And hey, feel free to disagree. Feel free to agree. Um, we want to know what you're thinking, how we can respond. If you got questions, we want to make sure we, we, we are able to answer those um, to the best that we're able to. But check out our website, uh, leave questions, leave comments. Uh, this is satisfiedinchrist.life.